0: Well, open your Bibles this morning, please, to the book of Second Samuel, Second Samuel, chapter number twenty-one. And I've often said that uh, it seems like, for some reason, that on uh, whether it's a holiday or some special day, but uh, whenever you're celebrating something, a lot of times it, it just seems to be more difficult. Uh, to 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 really communicate with folks, I don't know whether it's because we got our mind on different things, or maybe it's because we preachers have a tendency to want to deliver a message. It just appeals to everybody you know and uh, that's kind of hard to do you have to you know you have to have a focus and you have to have a point that's the great thing about the Word of God is that whenever you uh, whenever you open God's Word, God has a way of taking the same passages of Scripture and speaking to one person about one thing and another person about another thing. God just makes it work some way. Same truth, but it meets different needs for different people. So it's my prayer this morning that God will meet your need, whatever it is. I want to speak to you this morning about giant killers. Well, if I ask what comes to your mind, when you think about a giant killer, I suspect everybody here would say David. And he certainly was. And what a wonderful story that is. It's more than a story, of course. It's a a historical fact. The, The fact that God enabled little David to to slay the giant Goliath. And so everybody is familiar with the story of David and Goliath. But David's not the only giant killer that's mentioned in the Bible. In fact, did you know there was another giant that David could not kill? Amen? A giant that he he couldn't defeat. Somebody had to kill the giant for him, and we're going to read the story here beginning in verse number fifteen, second Samuel chapter twenty-one, verse number fifteen. Moreover, the Philistines had war yet had yet war again with Israel, and David went down and his servants with him and fought against the Philistines, and David waxed faint. And Nishbibinop, which was of the sons of the giant, the weight of whose spear weighed 300 shackles of brass in weight, he being girded with a new sword, thought to have slain David. But Abishai, the son of Zariah, succored him and smote the Philistine and killed him. And then the men of David swear unto him, saying, Thou shalt go no more out with us to battle that thou quench not the light of israel that's that last phrase to me is amazing that David had gained not just the popularity but he had uh, he had won the approval of the people who who saw what a great value he was to the extent that they're calling him the Light of Israel I mean it was it was in what David was doing, what God was doing through David, and uh, you, you know for them, they could not imagine a more terrible blow than than to, for David to be killed. It was crucial that he survived. For one thing, it was crucial because God had made certain promises to him and to Israel about David. And so for God's promise to be fulfilled, there was a need for David's deliverance. I've never heard a sermon in all of these years from these verses. Not that I can remember. Of course, I can't remember hardly what I ate yesterday, but... I don't think I've ever heard a sermon on these verses. It's been at least 10 years ago since I preached anything from these verses. And so hopefully there will be something that 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 is not just of interest, because this is interesting. It's more interesting than any man-made novel. It's amazing to me how, you know, someone can write a, a series of books and uh Uh, novels and what have you, and we get all caught up in that. And I'm not saying it's wrong to read stuff like that. I'm just saying I don't get excited over that. I I get excited over the real thing. This is the real story. And it's not just interesting, it's really important because of the significance of it. Now I want to kind of sum up my thoughts and then we're going to look at the lessons that are apparent in this story. What I want you to make sure you get, if you go to sleep after this, at least you'll get this. God not only designed us with a need to be helped, God also designed us and gave us the purpose with a need to help. Every person here has a need. Everybody needs help in some way. And God intends that we accept the responsibility of extending help just as we receive help. Now, I don't need to tell you in America, we've got a serious problem today in this age of where everybody feels entitled. The government owes me, everybody owes me something. And uh, the fact of the matter is, Nobody owes you anything. Nobody, it's only by the grace of God that we have what we have. So here we see David, the hero in all of Israel. David, the man that, that they had looked up to, the man that God had used so mightily. A man who is described as a man after God's own heart. Wouldn't that be a wonderful uh, you know epitaph on your funeral stone? you know here here lies a man after God's own heart. Well, that's what the Bible says about David. He had his faults naturally, he wasn't perfect, but he was a man after God's own heart. And here we find David being delivered from a giant by one of his servants. And so from this, we learn several lessons. The first thing that stands out to me is the fact that struggles follow us throughout life. Regardless of how old you are, they're always there. Job said, man that's born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. And here was David as a young man who slew Goliath. Now, David is a much older man, probably 60 years old or older at this point. Now, some want to debate that. Some say this story was actually happened earlier in his life, and it was inserted here, and it's not in chronological order. But the point is the same either way. David's in a situation where he needs help. His life depends on somebody coming to his rescue you look back in verse 1 there's a famine in the days of David 3 years year after year and David inquired of the Lord i, I read that and I wonder why in the world didn't he why didn't he inquire the Lord after the first year you, you know sometimes it takes a lot to wake some of us up it, it takes you know uh, it, it takes some real uh, tragedy in our life to make us realize we need God. Amen. Yeah. So finally here here the, the the nation is going through this very difficult time and lo and behold all of a sudden they had notice in verse number 15 they had yet war again with Israel. Now all of a sudden after all of this time you discover that David is again facing well, this time one of the sons of Goliath. Remember that David, after he had won the initial battle, and it seemed like that, you know, that all was well, and here he's facing this new challenge, and if you read all of the, everything in between and what David wrote, you'll see that David longed for relief. And I suspect some of you here this morning feel the same way. You just long for relief of some kind. And, and the older you get, you know, the more you just keep hoping that, well, someday I'll have a few trouble-free years. You know, I can just kick back and just enjoy life, and there won't be any pressure, and there won't be any problems, and there won't be any pain. Well, you might not like the facts, folks, but that's not the way life is for most people. For most people, I mean it's from the beginning to the end that we go from one problem to another problem. And like one famous preacher said, there is no furlough in the fight of faith. I mean, it is ongoing. It is all of the time. We go from one challenge to another, and that's exactly what we see here in the story of David about the time, you know, that he's thinking, well, I'm getting up in years, and maybe I can just, you know, sit back and take it easy for a while. Well, that wasn't meant to be because there's another fight raging and so we learn that we can expect those troubles to be with us, whoever you are. You, look, you cannot be good enough in life in order to exempt yourself from difficulties. The best people sometimes have the worst of problems. Amen. You just can't be good enough. And by the way, that is no evidence of whether God loves you or not because God allows bad things to happen to good people. Amen. Because God does that for a reason, you see. He's smarter than we are. You know, like somebody said, you know, said, you know, we'd want the same thing God wants if we were as smart as God. But we're not that smart. We think it would be better if I didn't have this pain. It'd be better if it didn't have that bill. It'd be better if it didn't have that problem. And, and you know, the Lord allows things to happen or causes things to happen, whatever the case might be, in order in order to accomplish something of value in our life. So There are going to be difficulties. But we learn something else from here, very important when we look at this story, and that is that even spiritual people can't always cope with the problem. Notice verse 15, it says here, David waxed faint. Now remember, as a mere lad, when he was just a kid, the Bible tells us he killed a lion and a bear. I mean, uh, I'm telling you what, he wasn't some kid you mess around with. He killed a lion and a bear, and then he killed the giant Goliath, and this is the same David who is now about to go down in defeat. And let me tell you, regardless of who you are, regardless of what you have accomplished in life, there are going to be some enemies that you cannot conquer alone. Now, I'll tell you, you've got to give David credit here. He was still willing to fight. Think about that. He could have said, man, I, you know, it's kind of like some of us say, when we get older, you know, you don't mess with an old man. He's too old to fight. He'll just kill you. <laughs> you know, he may be too old to fight, but he's probably packing. So you don't want to mess with the old guys, you know. Well, David was somebody that, you know, that had accomplished all of this in his life, and and but now it says he waxed faint. He's willing, but, I mean, it's just not there any longer. His strength is gone. He realizes he's up against an enemy that he cannot defeat. And let me tell you, when you're in a situation like that, your best is not good enough. You say, well, I'll try my best and that'll be good enough. No, it won't. There's some things I don't care how well you do something that might not be good enough. I'm telling you, if you've got heart disease and if you're not a doctor, you can try your best to cure heart disease, but I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to fail because you don't know what you're doing. And there are sometimes, you know, that might be a physical challenge. And you can do your best, but you're not going to be able to do what you want to do because the strength isn't there. This is the way David is about to faint. So we see that spiritual people cannot always cope with whatever their problem is. But now here's the shocker supernatural means are not always given. Now, you remember, you go back and you think about David whenever he killed Goliath, and somebody, you know, now we look at the situation and we tend to attribute this to his age. Well, yeah, he could do it back then because he was young, but he can't do it now because he's, you know, he's 60 years old or whatever, he has arthritis or whatever the problem is. And they attribute that earlier success to David's youth and his. Present failure to his old age. Let me tell you, they're wrong. The Bible attributes David's victory to the Lord, not his personal ability. It wasn't that he had taken special training for self-defense and went out there and you know did some kung fu like Bruce Lee on on, on Goliath. David was helpless before Goliath, just as he's helpless here. The point is. Although he was no match for Goliath, God intervened and enabled him. It took a miracle for David to defeat Goliath. And it's going to take a source greater than David to defeat this son of Goliath. David can't do it. David is waxing faint. He is not able. Now notice and there's no miracle forthcoming. Don't ever forget, God could have said, David, just step back a minute, son. Get some distance between you and him. I'm going to send a lightning bolt, and I'm going to burn him to bacon. I'll I'll take care of it. God could have done that, right? God could have opened up the ground and swallowed him up. God can do stuff like that, but God didn't. God didn't do any of those things. So here He is without any divine intervention whatsoever. What do you do now? Well, it reminds us of this, folks. Success often depends on others. Now, I'm not leaving God out of the picture, understand, because God puts people like that in our lives. And our success depends upon them. Sometimes we forget that the Bible heroes were just mortal men. They were not supernatural beings. We think about the great apostle Paul and so many times, you know, we, we preachers especially, we admire him so much and we quote him so often. Sometimes we get to thinking that dude had feathery wings. It was some kind of an angel or something. No, he was just a sinner saved by grace. He's just a man. And that's all any of us are, you see. And so, even the mighty David, with all of these years of military experience, faced an enemy that he cannot defeat. And there's an important lesson in in that for us. Listen, others now had to do for David what David had done for others earlier. You got it? David. Mighty David. King David. The sweet psalmist of Israel, man, after God's own heart. What David had done for others, now David can't do for himself. And he's dependent upon others to help him. And regardless of who we are, we can't conquer every foe alone. And by the way, there's nothing shameful about depending on others for help. That's what sensible people do. It's pride that causes us to think, we don't need anybody else, you know. I don't need anyone. No, I, I I can handle this job all by myself. No, you can't. The attitude that I can do it all by myself is a sign of weakness, not a sign of strength. Everybody needs somebody sometime. And if you're too proud to accept help, you're headed for trouble. Solomon said in the book of Ecclesiastes, he says, two are better than one, and three's even better than that. Two's better than one. You know, by the way, folks, that's why God designed the family and the church. In His great wisdom, He designed us with a need for a support system. And when we cut ourselves off from that support system, system we're going to face some giants that will destroy us we really will i think about the family from the very beginning i mentioned bev a while ago and I, i'm certain that brother kenneth was thinking of shelley and 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 our great dependence upon our wives and 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 them being there for us in our time need you know god knew all of that from the very beginning and god gave adam eve it was to be his helpmeet To be His helpmate. Thank God for that. God knew that people need each other. And He instituted the family. And it wasn't Adam and Steve. It was Adam and Eve. Amen. God designed the family. The family unit. Because we... You think about that little baby comes into the world. That little red, wrinkled, rascal comes into the world. I know Yeah, mothers talk about how, oh, isn't he beautiful? No, he's ugly as a... Uh, I'm sorry. They just don't come out the finished product all the time. And I know you love them. I know you do. I'm not, I'm not saying anything wrong with that. And all you know what they do they 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 spend hours nights making your life perfectly miserable I'm in the middle of the night start bawling and crying and you got to feed them and change that old dirty stinking diaper they can't do anything they can't help you back they can't do anything they need you they need you and God made it that way Amen God designed us with a need a need that it takes others to meet in our life. Now, David needed help, and thankfully there was somebody there that was willing to help David. David had Ebishai to help him. Now, you go back and read the story. These two fellows had a history. In fact, they had some differences of opinion at times, But Abishai remained faithful to his king in spite of all of that. So here he is still faithful to his king, even with those differences. You know, some people just don't know how to live with differences. They really don't. You know, it's either my way or the highway. Nobody else's uh, opinion matters about anything. I don't care what you think. I don't care what you do. You know, Kind of like the attitude I had back whenever, you know, Bev and I got married and I was going to rule the roost and I didn't care what she thought. And, you know, and I, even whenever I first got saved, she didn't have a checkbook. She didn't have a bank account. I I wrote all of the checks. I made all of the decisions. the stupidest thing in all of the world. But I thought I was man of the house. I was supposed to do stuff like that. Didn't even have enough sense to know. She's smarter than I am on some things. I need her help. God put her here to be my helper. You see. We need each other. And Abishai stepped up to the plate. He saw David exhausted. He saw him discouraged. He saw him about to be defeated. And he steps in and takes care of the giant himself. Isn't it a wonderful thing to have friends that make a difference in your life? Amen. I mean, people that really make a difference. And I let me tell you, I could just sit here this morning and look out there and I could start calling names and talking about different people that have made such a difference in my life. People that have been there when I've had a need. People that have been a blessing to me. People that have been a blessing to this church. And thank God for people like that. But it's not only a wonderful thing... To have friends that make a difference in your life, it's a wonderful thing to make a difference in somebody's life. Sometimes we want it to be all one-sided, you see. We just want to get help without ever giving help. Do you realize at this very moment, there's someone facing a giant that they cannot defeat by themselves? Look, you might not know it, but there are people right here in this auditorium facing giants in their life. And they're going to lose if something doesn't happen. They're going to lose that battle. They're going, they're going to go down in defeat. Now, their giant might go by a different name. In other words, their giant might be a giant of loneliness. You'd be surprised how many, how many lonely people there might be right here in this building, lonely. Oh, I know, we got a friendly church. We really do. I thank God for that. But they're not looking for a friendly church, they're looking for a friend. They're looking for somebody, you know, that'll be there for them. Somebody that'll help. Now, I know, yeah, we can place all the blame on their shoulders. Well, it's their fault. They cut themselves off from everybody. They did this. They did that. They're not friendly. Yeah, sure. You're right about all of that. That doesn't change the fact they've got a need. It doesn't change the fact there's a giant in their life. And that giant of loneliness is going to drive them to despair and literally destroy them. It might be the giant of discouragement. It might be the giant of depression. Oh, it's, it's... Fairly easy for most of us, you know, whenever we know we're going to church and we, we put on, a, you know, our, our Sunday-go-to-meeting clothes and we paint a smile on our face and we go off glad-handing everybody, you know, and we're really happy. If the truth is known, some people, it's, it's not 30 minutes after they leave this building. The smile is gone and the depression it sets in and they're right back. They try to read their Bible. And they read their Bible, and it it just seems like nothing can get them out of that horrible pit of depression. It's a giant they're facing, and let me tell you, they need help. They need somebody to help them defeat that giant in their life. It might be the giant of bereavement. They might have suffered loss of some kind, the loss of a loved one. I can look out there. And I can see some of you just in this last year lost you lost your loved one, people that was more dear to you than anybody in all of this world, and they are gone. You know, the week of the funeral, we're right there for them. We, you know, we send flyers and we're there to help them. Sometimes we forget their their greatest battle takes place six months after the funeral and they're fighting that giant of bereavement it might be a giant of temptation it might go by that name some temptation something that might not be tempting to you is a great temptation to them it might be a temptation because of some addiction in their life it might be a you know a temptation to do something that is Illegal or something that is unscriptural. I don't know what it is, but their giant is temptation. And boy, I'm telling you, temptation can be strong. It can defeat you if you're not careful. It might be that your giant is the giant of bitterness. Have you ever wondered, you know, what's wrong with certain people? Sometimes you wonder, well, I just can't figure out so-and-so, you know. I've known them for years and it just seems like, you know, they're never happy. I don't understand what is going on in their life. Let me tell you, more often than not, those people are harboring bitterness in their heart. Something happened way back even when they were a child and they are still bitter over that. They suffered some injustice and they're eaten up with bitterness and that root of bitterness according to the Bible, will defile them and destroy many. It might be the giant of anger. I mean, a recent anger I'm talking about. You're angry over something and it's eating at you. It might be poverty. Sometimes in America we forget about that. We think everybody's got three square meals a day. We think everybody's able to pay their bills. But for some people, that might be a giant of poverty. They don't know what they're going to do. They're about to go under financially, and uh, they look around, and there's nobody there to help them. Or oh, they could go get a payday loan. Try that route for a while. See where you end up. That's a horrible giant. You know there's more arguments in marriages over money than any other thing? Finances. When, when you get down to where you can't pay your bills, uh, it's going to end up in, in conflict between the husband and the wife. And there are people in that situation. Look, David David is dependent upon this fellow of the name of Bishai, and somebody's welfare depends on you. Now, God could intervene. God could say, well, I see they can't pay their bill, and they go to the mailbox the next morning, and there are a few bricks of solid gold. God could do that. But he usually doesn't work that way. I've, I've, ne- I've never found any bricks of gold. or even gold coins in, in my mailbox. Right? But i tell you what, I, I, I've not lacked for any good thing either. Because God has supplied my needs and it wasn't by causing it to rain money from heaven or anything like that. God uh, God saw a need and God used people to meet that need, you see. Would it not have been tragic had Abishai not been there? Or more tragic than that is the fact that he was there and... Uh, not come to David's aid. He can see the situation that he's in. He's facing a giant that he can't defeat, and it might be he's thinking, you know, man, I've got problems of my own. I've already got my schedule made out for the day, and it doesn't include fighting a giant. David, you're going to have to make out the best you can. Or he might have said, you know, David, I can't help you, but I'll enlist some, some people to do it. And he could have sent out a call for somebody to come and help David. No, it would have been horrible had he ignored this opportunity. You put yourself in the place of those people that are facing giants and ask yourself, what would you want them to do? Look, folks, you can make a difference in somebody's life, if you will. And and that's what the Lord's church is all about. We need to ask ourselves, how many giants have you slain lately? Have you killed any giants lately? Have you rallied to meet somebody's need lately? Some would have to maybe hang their head in shame and say, you know, I'm not even in the fight. I I wish I could get every person to understand how important the Lord's church is. It's the bride of Christ. Let me tell you, if you want to get my dandruff up, you just say something bad about my wife. I mean, I'm going to take that personal. The church is the bride of Jesus Christ. The Bible says unto him be glory in the church. You see the Lord Jesus knew we needed each other. He knew we needed help and he designed us with the purpose of being help givers. Now you look, you can go to heaven without being a member of the church. Your salvation doesn't depend on membership in the church. But I'm going to tell you, you'll never be the person God wants you to be without the church. That's just how important it is. And I can say that because of what the Bible says. It says it is the pillar and ground of the truth. Amen. And in Ephesians chapter number 4, it makes it extremely clear how desperately we need the church. Every Christian ought to be a faithful, active member of the Lord's church. And if it's look, folks, if it's not here, I wish you the best, but please find a good Bible believing church and join. Don't just join it, but get involved in it. Somebody needs you and you need to be needed. Now, let me say something else and I'm through. If you're here today and and you've never You've never even professed to be a Christian. You've never trusted Christ as your Savior. You do not know deep in your heart that you'd go to heaven if you died today. Let me tell you, you are facing a giant that nobody but Jesus can defeat. The giant I'm talking about is the giant of sin. And Jesus is the sin killer. Amen. I, look, I, I've got children here. I've got grandchildren here. I've got great grandchildren here. I, I'm. I, uh, now let's see. Where's he at? Uh, well, now I, I just adopted with some of your kids as my grandkids. Evidently, they come up and adopted themselves into our family a while ago, and. And uh, that's all right, because, you know, after 30 years, you know, and you watch, watch people from this high grow up and have kids, and after a while, it just seems like you're extended family. And as much as I want to see each and every person here saved, I, 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 I can't save you. I can't. Brother, Brother Preston can't save you. Mom and dad can't save you. Nobody else can save you. Only Jesus Christ. That's why Paul said, He gave Himself for our sins that He might deliver us from this present evil world. For this purpose, listen, this is what John said, for this purpose was the Son of God manifested that He might destroy the works of the devil. Boy, I tell you what, I'm glad that I can look back and remember a time in my life when He did that for me. Amen. I'll never forget going into the Community Baptist Church on that Sunday morning, realizing that I was a lost, hell-bound sinner, realizing that I needed help. Nobody, look, nobody else could help me. Bev wanted to help me. Bev tried to help me. Bev stayed with me even when I didn't deserve any help. She stayed right there with me those years before I become a Christian. But on that morning, I realized that I found help, and that help was in the Lord Jesus Christ. And 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 maybe you're here. I've heard people say, "Well, you think I've committed the unpardonable sin?" Well, certainly not if you're concerned about it. You haven't. You don't need to worry about that. You need, Look, you need to be concerned about the fact that the Bible says, whosoever will may come. Amen? Amen? Regardless of who you are and what you've done, the Lord's willing to forgive you and accept you into His family. You can become a child of God right here, right now, this morning. Amen? Amen. Amen. And we want to encourage you to do that. This could be the greatest day of your life here on the anniversary of this church for you to become a part of God's family. And if you're here today and you're looking for a church home, well, just maybe this is it. Nothing would make me any happier than to see somebody saved or somebody say, Preacher, I think this is where God wants me and my family to be. And we're going to we're going to join this morning. Whatever it is that God would have you to do, please don't put it off. Don't put it off. Don't delay another day. Now's the time of salvation. Let's all stand together. Tim and the musicians are going to come, and we're going to we're going to extend this invitation. Brother Preston, standing down here. And he or I, either one, would be glad to help you any way that we possibly can. But in the end, your help is found in the Lord. Father, we just pray this morning that you'll take your word, apply it to the needs of our life, that you'll speak to hearts, that you'll save souls, that you'll change lives here this morning. For we beg it in Jesus' name. Amen.